Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for waking me up, blessing me, giving me the activities of my lamb. Even though I got my little heating blanket, because my foot is killing me. But I'm going to let it do what it do and do the best that I can and still be obedient. Now, you know, Tuesdays is when normally when we do our show from the pulpit to the couch, where you would receive biblical teachings from someone in ministry as well as myself, Jeanette Abney, a licensed marriage and family therapist. However, I want those that call in, if they are in ministry, if they are pastors, if they have programs, because I'm going to be talking about a subject today that is very taboo that many individuals do not like to talk about because they have either been a witness as a child to this, they may have experienced this either early in dating, in a dating relationship, or from other family members, or they may still be experiencing it now and don't know what to do. They can perhaps be on the other end of giving it out versus not realizing that this is a, it can be considered a learned behavior. So I'm going to be sharing a lot of information as it relates to this topic because the month of October is considered Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I want you to know that abuse is not love. And nobody should have to deal with this because it is preventable. But yet it is something that gets swept up under the table project it onto other individuals, we find excuses, we minimize it, we justify it, and it's something that really needs to stop because people are getting hurt. I was watching and I go on the Internet a lot because I am also doing my part, not only as a blog talk radio host, but also as the owner of the Center for the Treatment of Addiction as well as J.A. Precious Inc., where I provide counseling services for individuals. And a lot of times when individuals are in this toxic, unhealthy relationship, many times they want to save the relationship. They want to help the other person or try to work on their marriage or their relationship. Doing counseling with an individual that is in a domestic violence relationship is illegal and unethical because somebody can get hurt. And I know a lot of times the person, they don't want to hear that. They want to save the relationship. They want to work on themselves. But the problem is you've got to work on yourself individually because if the two of you are already fighting at home, arguing at home, and I'm going to be talking about the different types of abuse, but if these things are already going on in your home, if you go before a therapist and something is said that you don't like and you go home and somebody gets hurt, they don't want somebody to be responsible for that. And I tell individuals, because I'm a therapist, but my therapy style is a little taboo. I tell people I'm the baddest sucker up in here. So I am not going to let, if I see it, if I smell it, if I'm aware of it, it can become a problem. Now, Last week, or not last week, but the other day I did a show and I was talking about taking responsibility. And I found that topic to be interesting because I not only work with the perpetrators of domestic violence, 
both male and female, because some people think that females cannot be perpetrators. They can. They can. Let's believe. I know that. But they can. Now, there's a lot of say in regards to this, and I'm going to go over some of the things. But when we talk about the perpetrators of domestic violence, and one of the things I always tell the women for years that I've been doing this, I did not like working with women that were perpetrators, partly because they find it hard to take responsibilities for their behavior. That doesn't mean that a perpetrator may have never been a victim because they may have been a victim of domestic violence for so long that they either become a perpetrator themselves or not only do they become a perpetrator, when they perpetrate the violence, it may not be against the person that they were in an abusive relationship with. Sometimes they may have been, and sometimes they could be a totally different person. And this person may come along and want to help and fall in love with this person and not realize that person has not healed, that individual is broken, that individual may have some mental health issues, that individual may have some drug or alcohol addiction, and all of these are risk factors that can lead to domestic violence. Now, like I said earlier, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and if you don't get anything from this show, I want you to know that abuse is not love. And many individuals don't even know what love means. They want to be loved. They want to be in these relationships. But for some, these types of relationships have cost them their life. And I'm going to say this. Growing up in Compton, California, I did not know what domestic violence was, but I had a neighbor, and I used to, as a kid, every Friday night, I noticed that they would get into an argument. They would get into a fight. This woman would get beat up bad. Her husband was so handsome, but he never married her. They had children. Their children are adults now. And the problem was my mother would always go over there and help her or go over there and try to intervene. But my mother didn't realize that as she was trying to intervene, she could have been putting our life in danger as kids as well as her own life in danger. But my mother was also a victim of domestic violence in regards to my father, and I witnessed it. So, But I didn't know it was domestic violence. I, but I knew I didn't want to grow up like that. I knew I didn't want to be in a relationship where someone was, calling me names, putting their hands on me, and mm-mm, that was just not going to work for me. And even today, as an adult, I know that's not going to work for me. So if someone comes around me and they are and have these abusive tendencies, you ain't going to want to get your name to that. ain't going to work. <laughs> you might get hurt yourself. That ain't going to work. But I'm mature now. But what I was seeing is as a kid, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how this man could say he loved his wife but yet beat her every Friday and Saturday night because they were drinking and all of this stuff, and he had a business. And I'm like, what the world is this? And then by that time, my father had already been removed from the home. So my mother, that was her friend. I remember this woman and watching this woman die of cancer and begging my mother, please help me, please. I mean, I just remember all of these things. 
So when we say it's a learned behavior, part of it is because of some of the things that we may have seen and witnessed as a child. You know, and they say even in vitro, if a woman is pregnant and is experiencing violence or in a toxic relationship, that is going to impact that baby, whether the baby is born or not. It leads to some type of stress. And some individuals think that the baby or the kids, that the younger they are, the easier it is for them to overcome that. Mm-mm. Even today, we are witnessing children that are going to school, shooting up schools, doing things. Some of this stuff is because of things that have happened in their home and their childhood, mental health issues. I was watching a show the other night where a young man was going around kidnapping, torturing, victimizing women. And when they went to the the young man's home and was talking to his father, Father was very vague about what he was thinking, but the father had abused him, and he was treating his victims just like the father treated him. So these things are preventable, and I'm not saying that trauma is not real because it is, but help is available. Now, I want to give you the number to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. It is 800-799-SAFE. So that's 800 800- 799-7233. Now, if you want to call in, if you want to share, if you want to, you know, pick my brain, ask me for resources, what's available, Jeanette, what can I do, because I'm in this situation, I don't know what to do, your safety is of the utmost importance. You know, we talk about all of these movements, but you matter too. And even though we are out here, and like I said, me as a facilitator, because I also provide the 52-week batteries intervention program for perpetrators of domestic violence, some individuals don't realize that if you are arrested for domestic violence and there is a restraining order against you because what happens is the courts really don't want to be involved in your life, and that is one of the most dangerous calls for most police officers to go out on is a call for domestic violence because it's a crime of passion. People's emotions are all over the place. They're finding excuses to justify why they should be together. Uh, One may not have a place to go. They may talk about the kids, the pets, or whatever the case may be. But police officers are getting hurt. I was watching on the news a couple of weeks ago. There was an incident. I don't remember what state it was in. I think it was New York. Where there was a call with two brothers fighting. Police officers got killed. They shot the police. That's domestic violence, whether it is intimate partner, same sex, related by blood or marriage, it is domestic violence. If you're fighting with your siblings and you're both over 18, if you got a mother and a father or a father and you're fighting with your parents and you are an adult, that is domestic violence. What makes it domestic is the relationship. Now, the violence can consist of verbal abuse. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse, just to name a few. Now, we often look at the he killed her. Or a person, I've heard a woman say to me, I've been with this man for 10 years. 
he's all that I know. I know what to expect. She was used to it. And no matter what I would say to her, she felt he loved me. No, that's not love. And trying to reprogram individuals to try to help them understand that that is not love can be a challenge because then they'll take their brokenness and go to somebody else. And I've heard, had to tell women before, and men, because, like I said, it does not discriminate. And because it don't discriminate and it affects people of all ages, it definitely becomes a problem. But I've had to tell men when men would say, but she can't hurt me. Yes, she can in a lot of ways. Now, I have put down here, and I'm going to say that the month of October, again, is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Domestic violence is something that most do not like to talk about. They don't like to talk about that. They don't like to share that. They don't like to share some of the things that they have seen and witnessed. I don't mind because I don't mind if I have to use this platform to talk about something that is preventable. If I have to use this platform that may save a life of a person, whether it's a male, a female, a child, or a senior citizen, because What's even worse is to see your grandma and grandpa fighting, and that could be still domestic violence. So, again, we don't like to talk about it, yet it is often glamorized and exploited on TV. It's seen, it's seen on the news and in social media. Again, it don't discriminate because many of us are missing the mark even when it comes to not only our grandma and grandpa fighting, because I witnessed that too, but when it comes to violence. Many of us have kids, they got kids at school that like them, that are abusing them, or they're teens and they're dating or they're in college where a person may have witnessed domestic violence and like this person, don't know how to express his feelings and emotions appropriately, or they're verbally abusive and it's coming out, or they may have a substance abuse problem, and when they're under the influence, these behaviors are exhibiting themselves. So we're missing that. We're putting our blinders on. And we need to take our blinders off and do something about it. Say something about it. And that doesn't mean to go beat the other person up or, you know, I used to say if I had a big brother and then I later learned I had a brother and my brother is big. But I later learned that it don't make no sense to get other people involved and get in trouble And because what happens is sometimes that person still goes right back to that toxic relationship. I would say, and I can say, even though my mother is no longer alive, I got tired of getting into her fight with her boyfriend. It got on my nerves. So I just stopped fighting. I I, I just gave up. I said, "Mm mm-mm, I'm not going to jail behind you. I'm not going to be sitting here doing all of this stuff with you because you're not going to but I didn't realize that was all she knew. That was all she knew. And I watched it with the other people in my family. My uncle used to say, I would never date a woman in this family because y'all are dangerous. We didn't want to be victims of domestic violence, but yet we didn't realize we became perpetrators of domestic violence because we didn't want it to happen to us. So then we became the person that was going around beating and shooting and doing it was not necessary, and it is, again, preventable. I remember when my mother asked me, when I became a 
a mother of an adult son. She asked me, Jeanette, have you ever heard how that young lady talked to your son? I didn't. And one day I heard it. Now, my son was a victim of domestic violence at a young age. Even though he did not witness domestic violence in the home with me, he saw it with his grandmother, he saw it with his aunties, but he didn't see them really being victims. He saw them being more perpetrators or he saw more mutual combat because those are some of the things that can occur. Perpetrators, victims, mutual combat. And the problem is with the mutual combat, that's where both of them are fighting each other. When you go to the home and you don't know who do you what, you don't know who you're helping, who you're saving, you have no idea. And the one thing I want to say about men is most men don't tell. That's why it's underreported in regards to men that are victims of domestic violence because they don't say anything. Or they may feel they have nowhere to go because there are more shelters and more resources for women and children than there are for men that are victims of domestic violence. And that is starting to change because the more individuals are stepping up to the plate and trying to um, provide resources to men or for men that are victims of domestic violence. They don't want to be viewed as weak. They don't want to be viewed as not being able to be in control. They don't want to, but by that same token, some people, you need to just leave them alone because you cannot help them. You really can't. Now, I'm going to finish reading some of the stuff that I posted on Facebook, and I said that it's a learned behavior, and a male can also be a victim, too. Hope is available for both those that are victims and those that hurt others. Because perpetrators don't like to be called perpetrators because they feel like, I didn't do anything. I was defending myself. I was, we got to stop with all of the excuses and the explanations, and we got to do better. Again, there are also community programs that can assist. Like I said, I am one of them. In Orange County, I do provide the 52-week batter's intervention program. Some individuals say that's too long, that's too, but it teaches you healthy ways to engage with individuals in a relationship. It teaches you how to change some of your core belief systems because sometimes we say that, and it's been said with the Duluth model, that domestic violence is about power and control. From my experience, I would challenge that because that is just not the go-to factor. It's not always about power and control. I know with me, it was about if you're getting on my nerves. I don't want to control you. I don't want the power. I don't want to argue. I don't want to be around people that's drinking and under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Because that gets on my nerves, and then I get frustrated. And what happens is we have what's called the tension building, the battering, and the honeymoon period. And when individuals are in the honeymoon period, oh, they just think that person just loves them. Everything is just great. We're getting along just fine. Mm-mm. It's a cycle, a cycle of abuse. The tension building, the battering, and the honeymoon period. It's like walking on eggshells. You shouldn't have to do that, and especially if the other individual has a mental health issue. Dangerous. And your safety is important. And we have to learn how to end the silence. And also, children should not have to 
domestic violence because it puts them in a situation to where they want to try to protect one of the parents. When I was younger, I dated men because product of our environment that had either witnessed their mother being abused, and they went one or two ways. Either they tried to protect their mother. One of them killed the man that was beating his mother, and he told her, if you hit my mother one more time, I will kill you. And he did that at 16. And I think that that played a big a big role in his mind psychologically because he took the life. It doesn't mean that his mother wasn't going to find another abusive man. My mama did. She one after the other after the other. I think the only man that she had that wasn't abusive, he was an alcoholic. And I think right now he's the only one that's still alive. But he's drinking, and my mother would abuse him. There were many times I saw my mother hit that man upside the head, go in his Cadillac, cut the top off. I'm like, really, mother, really? So, but what I'm what I'm saying is, you have to learn how to address your fear. Again, it's not always about power and control. It could be other factors that are involved, whether it's alcohol, drugs, mental health. My mother said for a long time she did not realize what she was up against when she was with my father because she did not know his drug addiction. But as a kid coming home and seeing cabinets, stove turned upside down, I was like, "Mm mm-mm, this is so not for me. So not for me. But then I noticed as I became, I'll never forget when I was dating my son's father. And I'll never forget, and I'll say your name, Harold Williams, came up, came to me. And he was the first person that told me, Jeanette, that man, I listened, I believed him, but I thank Harold for that because he told me he was a first person that told me, then my other friend, Anthony Crockett, came and knocked on my door. She said, I need to talk to you, because they wanted to know, what are you doing? What the hell are you thinking? You not know what this young man be doing? But I'll never forget, I one time witnessed it, and my family used to always think, oh, he was doing this to me. He wasn't. He was scared of me, and he was scared of my father. He thought I was crazy. But I'll never forget one day I saw him where the girl was coming out of his house, running down the street, and he was cussing her out, calling her names, and all of this stuff. And we got in the car. He ran into her old grandee in one of his friends' house. He had her pinned up against a garage and was just hitting her and hitting her. And, and I said, mm-mm, I'm not going to let him do this in front of me. People have already told me what this man be doing to this girl. And I was used to let him do this. I got out of the car and started hitting him. The girl thought I was crazy. And that was one of the things, and it taught me how to sometimes stay in your lane because everybody everybody don't want your help. And what I did when I started fighting that man, that was my way of helping her to defend herself against him And yet, she looked me dead in my face and ran. When I started getting calls from my family, Jeanette, what'd you do? That girl said you jumped on her, that you tried to help her. I said, really? 
I was trying to help her. I was trying to help her get away because I knew my fighting skills. But I'm trying to help this, but she was she was used to it. And sad to say that they're both now deceased. But this man told me before he passed away that they had wind up hooking back up, and he may have had, I don't know. But she never could leave him alone. I did. Because one day we were walking down the street, and that man said something to me and got the th- I hit him in the nose. His nose started bleeding. When he felt that blood, he hit me. Next thing I know, I'm running home. And I did the same thing my mother did. I'm standing in my room loading up a 12K shotgun. I'm like, mm-mm, not today. But that could have cost me my life. But I was already warned. People had already told me. Then it became my turn. But from that day forward, I made sure I was not going to be involved with someone that had those tendencies because I know me. I don't want to be the one going to jail. But then I also realized I never, at that time, I didn't know that I needed counseling or I should have spoken to someone about some of the stuff that I had witnessed as a child and how I was holding all of these things in and these emotions, and part of it was fear-based. I didn't tell anybody these things. But then when people would try to date me, they'd be like, mm-mm, mm-mm. But I thank God that I was also protected. I was protected to the point to where people knew, that's Jean's daughter, that's Rosalie's sister, mm-mm, don't think about it. They keep your hands to yourself. And I've heard men, I've had husbands tell me, Jeanette, your mouth. Jeanette, sometimes. But I thank God that they didn't put their hands on me. I'm really grateful for that. And I'm not saying I'm special, but I thank God because that would not have went well. So, and I'm not saying that that's what a person should do. Now, I want to share, I was watching and went on, it was on the Internet, and it was about a man that stabbed and buried his wife in the woods. This man, over a child custody issue, this woman, he comes to his home, her home, pretend like he's got to do laundry, stab her, duct tape her, tape her feet up, do, and took her to the woods, almost seven miles away from the home. But she survived. She survived. That man left her for dead. Love, again, is not abuse. How is it that you can say you love someone, but then yet you take them to the woods, and bury him and leave him to die. And the trauma that this woman and her kids are going to be experiencing as a result of this is horrible. It is horrible. Then I saw another one. Man kills two nurses at a hospital because he tried to kill his baby mama. You go to the hospital your baby mama in the hospital, and you go in there killing folks because you're trying to get to her? This is where I say that it is something that impacts the whole community. It's like an epidemic. When we were looking at these things, because it's like, how do you save your sister if she's in a violent relationship? Because there have been situations where people have let individuals into their home, and when they let them into their home, here come the person that is hurt, battered, whatever the case may be, and start 
hurting those that are around them or feeling that people are putting things into their head and, you know, because there's certain toxics that the abuser will use. Now, it says, what are some on domestic violence? Because we have socks and we have men. Now, according to the CDC, somebody want to call me? According to the CDC, they report that more than one and three women and about one and three men in the United States experience intimate partner violence in their lifetime. Hey, one and three women, one and three men, made no difference. One and three teens experience dating violence. Those who identify as non-binary or LGBTQ are often even more likely to experience abuse. And the problem with that is when individuals are in same-sex relationships, the person may tell the other person, nobody's going to believe you, nobody's going to help you. And I've seen that a lot with clients that I've worked with that were in same-sex relationships where they were still victims of domestic violence or perpetrators of domestic violence and felt as if they were not hurt. Now, they view domestic violence as a pattern of abusive behavior, a pattern of abusive behavior. Some individuals say, well, it only happened one time, it's never going to happen again. I've heard that. I've seen that, too, where some people could have learned their lesson. But that don't mean that the damage wasn't already done because it may not be the physical. But what about the verbal, the name-calling, putting the person down? What about the stalking behaviors? What about the using the E, I'm going to kill myself as emotional abuse? There's a lot of things that people do that they don't even realize is abusive or toxic. But that pattern of abusive behaviors can be used by an individual intended to exert power and control over another, individuals in the context of an intimate or family relationship. Now, even though Tuesdays is normally when I do the show from the pulpit to the couch, people in the church are not exempt. You have pastors that are abusive, first ladies that could be abusive, deacons. It does not discriminate. You have people that have came in the church and people that have been hurt in the church because one of the partners may have thought something was going on or whatever the case may be because of their insecurities. You're not even safe in the church. And individuals in the church are now learning about the cycles of abuse so that they can educate and provide resources to members within their congregation to try to help them to develop a safety plan and end the violent relationship. Now, this pattern involves more than one event and several isolated events of violence. It involves an interrelated pattern that includes a variety of abusive behaviors, and usually it will increase in frequency and intensity over time. Now, when I was a teenager and I was in that relationship with my first father, I didn't realize when he was isolating me or attempted to isolate me. I didn't get it because he made it seem like he was trying to keep me from my dysfunctional family. He made it seem like he was protecting me, and I was rebelling. I was really rebelling. I was like, you know what, Mother, you put this man around here because you wanted him to protect you from your boyfriend. I'll show you, but I gotta, I'll show you all right. Because she had a plan for him, but didn't tell me about the plan. 
and he got a little bit too close to me because he kind of figured out he was being manipulated by my mama. So that was a hot mess, even between them two. But I thank God that I was able to ease my own way out of that and got up out of Compton, moved to Oceanside, still out here, because I didn't want to, mm-mm. But I, I'm not going to say I wasn't warned. I'm not going to say I was not warned. Now, the cycles of abuse or the cycles of violence can happen many times in an abusive relationship. Each stage lasts a different amount of time in a relationship, with a total of cycles taking either a few hours, years, more to complete. But emotional abuse is present in all three stages. Now, the abusive behavior or the coercive behavior may include, but not limited to, physical assault, physical hitting, punching, stabbing, choking, anything physical when they put their hands on you, verbal assault, name-calling, degrading, putting a person down. With the verbal assault threat, intimidation, use of violence, I mean use of weapons, isolation, destruction of property, violence towards other significant people or pets, sexual manipulation, and control over economic resources, as well as, like I said, spiritual. A person not wanting you to go to church, not go to your place of worship, talking about your pastor, intimidated by your pastor, don't want you around friends, because part of this is they're afraid they're going to lose you. Now, the pattern of behavior is not the matter of coincidence or results of a time-limited crisis. Rather, it's an ongoing pattern in a relationship whereby the abuser acts to control the other person. Now, like I said, I gave you some facts, but here are some more facts. Black women, 35% more likely to experience domestic violence than white women. Doesn't mean that white women don't experience it, you also see a lot of it in interracial relationships. A lot of times you get interracial relationships where sometimes it happens, but it's interesting because I'm going to say this. I have male friends that have married out of their race, and I'll never forget the man that killed his mother's boyfriend. When he was in an interracial relationship, he told me one time, Jeanette, that woman is driving me crazy. He got the nerve to be verbally abusing me, not realizing who I am. He said, but I never put my hands on her. He never put his hands on her, but she didn't realize that he was capable of doing it and wanted to, but he knew if he did, he would be up under a jailhouse for putting his hand on a woman outside of his race. Now, again, while people of all income levels experience domestic violence, because you got doctors, lawyers, like I said, pastors, it doesn't matter what your income is, you still can be victim of a perpetrator of domestic violence. But those earning lower income experience domestic violence at a higher rate than those with higher income, and women income of less than 7500 are seven times likely as women with household income of 75000 to experience domestic violence. And part of that is when we're talking about the fear, the insecurity, the power and control, a lot of individuals 
believe that relationships end more because of um, cheating, adultery, Mm-mm. financial. Coco Hush. So my dog is so spoiled. So when we start talking about those and we start talking about reasons, because there is no still no justifiable reason in regards to domestic violence, the problem is money does play a role. Sometimes when individuals at higher income levels, one spouse may not work, and because that spouse may not work, that spouse may feel trapped. In some cases where the family is struggling to survive, the person can feel frustrated, and when they feel frustrated, they can take it out on other people. But I also want to say and share this information from an article that I am reviewing, and it talks about um, domestic violence, and they also provide information as far as domestic violence in connections to homelessness. There is a connection. Going to a shelter, if you lived in a mansion but you were being abused, you don't want to go to no shelter because that's not conducive to your lifestyle. Men that are living at home and that have a certain lifestyle and attain a certain lifestyle, they don't want to have to accept themselves to being homeless or on the road or sleeping in their cars. Some individuals will get to the point that they don't care. They would say, I would rather sleep at the beach than to be in a house with this woman or I would rather couch surf than to have to go through what I'm going through. But some individuals don't feel like they don't have anywhere to go. But domestic violence and the connection to homelessness, when a person leaves an abusive relationship, they often have nowhere to go. For many, the only choice is staying in an abusive environment, going to a shelter, living on the street, or sometimes going to family members. And families don't want to be bothered with that. Now, studies show a connection between domestic violence and homelessness, particularly among families with children. Some studies have found domestic violence to be the leading cause of homelessness amongst women and children. I did not know that. But also with men, single men. I'm not single men. Well, single men, married men, wind up leaving a home and wind up being homeless. Shelters provide immediate safety respite, and supportive services. But unfortunately, shelters are frequently filled to the capacity and often turn away women and their children. It is estimated that in the year, in the head of Virginia, that 2,000 women seeking shelter were turned away due to lack of space or resources. And the sad part about it is not only the lack of space and resources, Sometimes in a domestic violence shelter, you'll find that sometimes you'll see violence within the shelter also because some of the individuals have not received help. Now, I know in the city of Oceanside, we have what's called the Women's Resource Center. I remember training with them many, many, many years ago, over 20-something years ago, with working with victims of domestic violence because that is a shelter-based program. So you have shelter-based programs, and you also have help available for perpetrators of domestic violence. But I want to share what the mental illness causing in regards to domestic violence. Women and men with PTSD, the chances of having experienced domestic violence were seven times more prevalent than women with no mental health problems. 
but the PTSD can also play a role if you are in a violent relationship, which is the post-traumatic stress disorder because it is very stressful, and it can also lead to issues of domestic, I mean, of anxiety as well as depression. Now, when we start talking about what are two effects of domestic violence on the victim, ongoing anxiety and depression, emotional distress, eating and sleeping disturbances, physical symptoms such as headaches and stomach aches are some of the things that individuals experience. Now, I want to share some information in regards to the emotional abuse and the verbal abuse because that is something that is minimized, overlooked, swept up under the table because we'll say, oh, well, he was just mad or she was upset about something. Oh, it's no big deal. Mm-mm. Words are powerful. Now, here are five signs of emotional abuse or the verbal abuse. They are hypercritical or judgmental towards you. It's like you can't do nothing right. The name calling, being called out of your name, being put down, being belittled, that's not cool. It is so not cool. How can you tell someone you love them, but yet you beat them down or you cut them with words? I liked watching the movie Shrek when the donkey told Shrek, you cut me deep, you cut me deep. Some individuals start believing it. I remember with my mother before she passed and the last guy that she was dating, she literally stabbed that man almost eight days before she took terminally, terminally ill. I'm like, really? I'm not coming down there for this. And my mother would talk about that man so bad because there was times I would hear him agreeing with her. You're right, precious. Yeah, precious. I'd be sitting there like, do you move closest to her? Come on, be quiet. You're not coming in. Be quiet. My mother would talk about that man so bad to the man would be agreeing with her, and I would be sitting there like, do you not realize she's talking about you? Do you not realize you the joke? And it would bother me because no matter how much I would tell my mother that that wasn't appropriate, he let her do it. He sat there and would go along with it. But being hypercritical or judgmental towards you, Number two, they ignore boundaries or invade your privacy. They have no boundaries. They feel they can do whatever you want to do, they want to do to you, because sometimes they feel like they own you or you are their property. They are possessive and controlling. They are manipulative, and they often dismiss you or your feelings. Now, I was watching something the other day. And it was interesting, and I was sharing it with a group that I was doing, meaning, why do people stay with abusers? They stay for a lot of different reasons. Now, looking at this article, it talks about victims' reasons for staying with abusers are extremely complex. Don't be mad at yourself because you stayed, but you don't have to stay long, especially if you know that this is a dangerous situation because you have to develop a safety plan. You have to find a way to get out. And the problem is sometimes the abuser got the nerve to be cheating on you. <laughs> that one is really like, really? And the other person don't realize, you're next. 
So if you are with someone that is abusive, and you with them knowing that they had somebody else that they was abusing, you're next, okay? And that's a fact. It's going to be your turn next. Now, victims' reasons for staying with an abuser are extremely complex, and in most cases are based on reality that their abuser will follow through with the threat that they have used to keep them trapped. The abuser will hurt or kill them. They will hurt or kill the kids. They will win custody over the kids. And that's where when I was looking at the situation with the lady whose husband stabbed her, duct taped her, buried her in the woods, over oh, child custody. That's the mother of your children. I remember one time hearing my mother's voice tell me about something. And I was going to go to my son's father's mother's funeral. My mother's voice, I heard her clearly say, say yo, but go wind up in the woods. I've been scared of the woods ever since. I ain't going to the woods. You're going to be burying me in the woods. I ain't going to the woods, and you ain't taking me no old shit. Mm-mm. ain't going down like that. Now, when we talk about these things, because sometimes we don't want to believe that the person will hurt us, but they will eventually. They will. And they will hurt you. I remember my mother telling me about my last husband. She said, you know, you guys have been knowing each other since you was 14. She said, but if you ever cheat, that man will kill you. I'm like, he's going to kill me. Why would you even tell me something? And I asked him. And the sucker told me, yeah, I would. And I'll just bury you and be crying. And I'll never forget that never that stuck in my head. It stuck in my head that this man had the audacity to tell me that. And then I'll never forget it flipped. So one day he kept getting on my nerves. And then I became the perpetrator. Because I'm like, uh-uh, you ain't going to get on me. I'll kill you first. This ain't happening. It ain't going down like that. But that's when I knew I got to stay away from this person. I can't let this person bring out that beast in me or trigger me. Because it became more of a defensiveness, more of a, mm-mm, I ain't going out like this. Nope. Now, I want to share a little bit about personality disorders. Because those diagnosed with borderline personality disorders or those with BPD who may not even know that they have it are more likely than the general population to be verbally, emotionally, psychologically, or physically abusive. Now, with borderline personality disorder, they are most difficult to treat as well as a person with narcissistic personality disorder. Because with borderline personality disorder, the individuals have difficulties with relationships. They're very difficult to be relational or in a relationship with because the easiest way to explain it is it's like a border and there's a line. It's either going to be black, either I love you or I hate you. There is no I like you. There is no in the middle. There is no way you will compromise. They go see things one way. Or the other way, it's either all or nothing. Either I love you, I'm going to kill you. And some individuals don't even realize how they may be in a relationship with a person with a borderline personality disorder because they, oh, he's so cute, oh, he got a nice car, oh, she's so smart, oh, she's so pretty. Mm-mm, mm-mm. When you start seeing them signs, 
and you start seeing, mm-mm, you better come up with a plan. You better come up with a plan. Now, I want to share some information, and they talk about warning signs that someone may be in an, be an abuser. And it indicates what are the warning signs of an abuser. Extremely jealous. Some individuals think jealousy is cute. That ain't cute. I remember I used to come home from football games because I was a cheerleader, draw major red, did all this stuff in school. My son saw me behind behind the tree. Who the hell talking to me behind the tree? Him. Come to my school, come to my job, scare people off, go to park. Mm-mm. This is so not for me. So extreme jealousy, possessiveness, unpredictability. A bad temper, cruelty to animals, verbal abuse, extremely controlling behavior, inadequate beliefs about roles of women and men in a relationship. And a lot of times, too, they basically lack respect for themselves as well as others. And let's not forget, sometimes they have issues with childhood trauma. They never resolved or got help for the trauma that they experienced as a child, and they will start acting it out. And I tell individuals this. When an individual starts talking about, oh, I'm going to kill myself, I can't live without you, I need you in my life, red flag. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Because if he can't live without you, is he going to take you with him? Be mindful of that. Now, I'm looking at some information, and it talks about, and this is what helped guide. One thing about the Internet, there is so much information, so many resources on the Internet that people can utilize to try to help them get out of these situations. And with the help guide, it says domestic violence and abuse, are you or someone you care about? in an abusive relationship. Here's how to recognize the signs of domestic abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, sexual, verbal, or financial, and get help. I've already gave you some information about what domestic violence is, because when people think of domestic abuse, they often focus on domestic violence, but domestic abuse includes any attempt by one person in a marriage or intimate partner relationship to dominate and control the other. Domestic violence and abusers are used for only one purpose and the purpose only to gain and maintain control of you. An abuser don't play fair. They don't play fair. They don't know how to play fair. And an abuser uses fear, guilt, shame, and intimidation to wear you down and keep you under their thumb. One of the things that I've heard is that Nobody's going to want you. You're stuck with me. You ain't going to never leave. That's their problem is they have unsecure attachment issues. And they choose women or men that they think is going to tolerate that. And when that person realizes that person is not going to tolerate it, they get scared. Now, domestic violence and abuse can happen to anyone. Again, don't discriminate. Abuse happens within heterosexual relationships and in same-sex partnerships, it occurs within all age range, ethnic backgrounds, 
and economic levels. While women are more often to be victimized, men also experience abuse, especially verbal and emotional. The bottom line is that abusive behavior is never acceptable, whether it's from a woman, a man, a teenager, or an older adult. You deserve to feel valued, respected, and safe. They also have a category with help for men who are being abused because men struggle with that, especially with their self-esteem, because they don't know what to do. They, they really don't. They don't want to hurt the woman or to hurt, hurt the person. I remember I had a neighbor, and he was a police officer. I used to hear screaming. I used to hear, and I'm like, why am I calling the police? And he is the police. But I found out that his wife wanted to be abused. She was abusing him. This big old man was being abused by a woman. I was getting so upset. I wanted to intervene and do but I couldn't get in, in the middle of their mess. So I don't know whatever happened. I don't know if they're still together because they had two young boys. But this woman, I could tell now, and at the time, I wasn't in school. I didn't have all the degrees and knowledge and stuff that I have. But when I started seeing that it wasn't him abusing her, it was her abusing him, this woman was just mean. And I watched how her kids would try to play with my kids. I was like, mm-mm, this is not good because they watch it, they hear it, it's not going to work. Now, again, domestic abuse often escalates from threats and verbal assault to violence. And while physical injury may pose the most obvious danger, the emotional and psychological consequences of domestic abuse are also severe. Emotionally abusive relationship can destroy your self-worth, lead to anxiety and depression, and make you feel helpless and alone. No one should endure this kind of pain. And sometimes what individuals do is they self-medicate. The victim may also become an alcoholic or a drug addict to try to escape the pain. Or they may develop, like I said, signs of anxiety or depression, don't know what to do the PTSD, all of that, your first step to breaking free is recognizing your relationship is abusive. Number one, you have to acknowledge it. Now, when we talk about acknowledging it, they have different, like I said, you can contact your EAP, you can utilize your insurance, there's community resources, and I'm going to say this again, if you are a victim, you can also call the National Domestic Violence Hotline number at 800-799-SAFE, 800-799-7233. And if you are a perpetrator and you want to stop, utilize your community resources. Call and contact, the whether it's Orange County Probation, L.A. County Probation, whatever probation department is, where the state that you live, contact domestic violence programs. And do the 52-week program, even if you don't, because you're going in as a private client, volunteer. It's best to go before you wind up getting arrested. Because if you get arrested and you get a restraining order, you're going to be removed from your home. You're going to have to turn in all of your firearms if you have any. It can affect your job to where you can lose your job. And people don't realize that, and then they want to blame the victim for losing their job. No. 
you did that. We have police officers that wind up in these programs. Pastors can wind up in these programs. Anybody can wind up in the program. You can either go be referred through family courts. It can lead to you losing custody of your children for failure to protect or child endangerment. So there's a lot of consequences that people don't even realize now because when I was a kid, children witnessing domestic violence was not against the law. It is now because CPS will get involved because they're doing their best to try to save children and sometimes people get mad and say, well, they're breaking up our family. Nobody called the police. Mind your business. You are damaging that child by having that child witness you act like that and don't even realize it. You can also contact online places like BetterHelp, Regain. You know, now I want to give you, like I said, some signs of an abusive relationship. Even though there are many signs of an abusive relationship and fear, of your partner is the most telltelling. If you feel like you have to walk on eggshells around them constantly watching what you say or do in order to avoid a blow-up, chances are you are in an abusive and unhealthy relationship. Other signs include a partner who belittles you or tries to control you and having feelings of self-loathing, helplessness, and desperation. To determine whether you are in an abusive relationship, they got questions you can answer. Does no one even have to know? Meaning, do you feel afraid you're part of your partner most of the time? Do you avoid certain topics of fear of angering your partner? Do you feel you can't do anything right for your partner? Do you believe that you deserve to be hurt or mistreated? Do you wonder if you're the one that's crazy? Do you feel emotionally numb and helpless? Now, it goes into partners' belittling behavior. Do they humiliate and yell at you? Do they criticize you and put you down? Do they ignore you? Do they blame you for their own abusive behavior? Do they see you as property or a sex object? Again, does your partner have a bad, unpredictable behavior, hurt you or threaten to hurt and kill you? Threaten to take your children away from you. Threaten to commit suicide if you leave. Force you to have sex. Destroy your belongings. Now, we talked about a lot of different things, and I want to say again, help is available. And the emotional and physical is much bigger than what you think, way bigger. You don't have to wait until you get hit or get have a gun pulled on you or whatever the case may be. Because, like I said, you have what's called the normal behavior, the fantasy, the setup, the abuse, the guilt, the excuses. And that's when we talk about the cycle. We used to call it the tension building, the battering, the honeymoon period. But there's a lot that goes on with that. And the thing is, you will get through this. But you got to basically step out and face. You have to realize that you deserve better. You know, there are do's and don'ts when you even talk it to someone, and I want to share this. Do. Ask if something is wrong. Don't always wait for the person to come to you, meaning if you see a family member that is being abused. Do express your concern, but don't blame or judge them. Do listen and validate. Don't pressure them to ask. 
and do offer to help, but don't give advice. Do support their decision, but don't place conditions on your support. Because a lot of times individuals become afraid because they feel like it's being done with conditions. Even when people do have to leave a marriage and go back home to live with their parents, they don't want to do that. They really don't because they don't want to be then victimized or being put down by their family, their parents, because they made a decision to love someone. Don't be mad because you decided to love that person, but now start investing in loving yourself. You cannot help everyone, you cannot save anyone, but your safety is of the utmost importance. Develop a plan. Make sure you take, put the most important items, your keys, your birth certificate, your passports if you have them. Put some money up, but get out before it's too late. Like I said, I know that woman that probably wound up duct taped, tied in the woods, left for dead, stabbed by her husband. When she walked down the aisle getting married to that man, she probably never thought that was going to happen. I've heard one of the persons say on Facebook that we, some individuals are in hope relationships. We hope people change. Some of us don't need to be getting into the relationships in the first place. And if you know you're hurting someone, you know you're hurting them because you're hurting yourself because you're also hurting. Heal yourself before you poison and infect another. And, yes, I've been in this field for many years, and I've heard men say that women wanted to be abused. Women kept on, they pushed my butt and said, mm-mm. If you know she want to be abused, don't follow through. Leave her alone. If she can't leave you alone, leave her alone. Somebody got to be big enough to walk away before somebody get hurt or somebody wind up in jail or somebody wind up dead because this cycle has to stop because it is preventable. So, again, I want to thank you for joining me here at Coach's Predicaments Blog Talk Radio as today's topic had to do with domestic violence awareness for the year 2022. We got to be more aware. We got to do something. We should not just continue to see these things happening on the news, social media, Facebook, all of this stuff, people tying, people being killed, their own insecurities, fear, work on you. And, again, couples counseling don't want to know therapists bringing a person in talking about I want to save our relationship. You better save your own butt. Until next week, remember, you got this. And I want to say this. I was going to where I was talking about something that I was, when I was doing a group, and it said we always ask a person why do they stay. Or we be so hard on the person for staying, and we don't really challenge the person in regards to why you do what you did. We need to talk more to the perpetrators and ask them, why are you doing it? Not why is the person staying, but why are you trying to make the person stay? What can you do to change your behavior? I've done a lot to change my behavior. I've done a lot to not put myself into these toxic situations to where I don't have to be as if I have to be on the defense or defend myself because I don't want to go out like that or repeat some of the behaviors that I've seen in my own family and in my own childhood. But if you are the one that's hurting another person, don't ask why they stay. Question, why are you doing this? Because I know I wasn't about power and control. I don't want to be controlling nobody. But I ain't going to let nobody just think they can just run all over me either. 
So I'm not going to argue. I don't want to fight. I don't want to do all of this. But you got to be more careful with who you connect yourself to. So, again, take care. Enjoy your day. Develop a safety plan. Do something about this before you continue to repeat the cycle by having your kids exposed to it and even your grandkids. Again, my name is Jeanette Abney, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Bye-bye.